All right, so chapter three, we're going to be talking about the bride's dream of the bridegroom's disappearance and the bridal procession. Um, so I love this chapter. There are so many unique things in this chapter that really stood out to me that I feel like we could we could easily do this for the next four weeks, but we're not going to. But there's just been some neat things. So I tried to put all the references and things on your guys' study sheets so that way if you get some time or maybe you're kind of in between places or you don't uh, know what to read or really what to go through, then this can be an option for you for your morning devotions. Okay, so with chapter 3, we've got the historical, doctrinal, devotional. Historically, it's the bride's dream of the bridegroom's disappearance and the bridal procession. Doctrinally, this is the church and Israel's relationship with Christ. And then devotionally, our pursuit of Christ and his coming for us. So there's some pretty sweet stuff that's in here. So, uh, like I mentioned, you know, this chapter is being very different in the way that it's written. Um, the first part here is the bride speaks of the bridegroom. So she's not talking to him, but she's talking about him. So as we kind of go through this, you'll get the feel for it, but it's really, really cool. And this first part that has a great point that I think would be very practical to you guys. All right, so let's go ahead and do this. Uh, verse 1. Here we go. By night upon my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city in the streets, and in the broad ways will I seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom I said, Saw ye him whom my soul loveth? It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go, until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love till he please. All right, so as I kind of wrote this out and I was studying through this, there's a few things here that just really, I don't know, just really kind of touched my heart. So the first thing is this. Jesus cannot be found inside of our own selves, in this world, or in other people. Jesus will only be found when we personally and passionately pursue him. Now, this is a this is a concept that is is very important, and I feel like it's very relevant to you guys with where you're at in in your life, because of several different things. One, um, you guys are growing up, and you're kind of transitioning out of childhood through you know, being teenagers and adolescents, and then you're moving into young adulthood and into adulthood. So this transition period is really critical. You're going from a time where, as a kid, that you're very, very impressionable by the people around you when it comes to your friends, when it comes to your parents, when it comes to your siblings. I mean, who you are is a product of your environment. And so when you end up getting to the point where you become your own adult, now you become the person that is making an impression on other people. And so you're kind of in this weird limbo where you're still being impressioned upon, but then you're learning that I am an example for others and I'm making an impression upon other people. And so when I think about this, I think about how there's a lot of questions in this season of your life. There's a lot of like what ifs or what should I do or who am I or what am I going to do with the rest of my life and who am I going to marry? What kind of career am I going to have? Um, what kind of friends am I going to have? What, what, what really matters the most to me? Now, there are people that because of the way they're wired, they ask themselves these questions and they think about it. But then there's other people that just go with the flow. And they don't think about it. They don't think about the friends that they have. 
and whether or not it's good or bad for them. They don't think about their environment. They don't think about their family. They don't think about you know, what they're going to be doing after school necessarily. A lot of times those people, what they'll do is they will do what other people tell them to do. And I don't know if some of you – have you guys struggled with that? I think – I mean I think I have where people look at you and say, I think you would be good at this. And you're like, oh, OK. Well, then you start to do it. But then you start to do it and then you get frustrated because that's not who you are. And then you stop, well, then who am I really? And so this whole season of your life is just so critical. And that's why if there's any impression that I can make upon you, it's on the spiritual side with walking with Jesus Christ. Because I've gone through a lot of the things that you guys are currently going through. And I have made mistakes. And I've had good successes. And so have the other adults that care for you, the other leaders that are in here. And those of you that are seniors, you guys have gone through stuff that you should be examples and being able to teach those that are underclassmen and those that are junior hires. Because each of you are unique. And so there are things in, in your life that when it comes to stuff like this where like I'm trying to, to teach you and to show you what your purpose is and who you should follow, but it's not like what other people are doing. You know what I mean? It's not like what other people are doing where they're telling you, you need to be this, you need to be this. No, 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 no. My, my story is different. What I'm telling you to do is different because of who God is and who, who he is in your life and how he's made you. It's different. Other people are telling you who you should be because of the interest in their own heart or the desires that they have or what they might see in you. But I'm talking about it from God's perspective. And here's the point. Until you consider your purpose and who you are and how God has made you from God's perspective, you will get no direction. You won't. I mean, other people will try to tell you. Um, you might have desires in your heart. Uh, you might go out into the world and see how you fit in with the world, and they can kind of help give you direction. But you will not get any direction in your life until you consider everything from God's perspective. And that's what I see here with, with this young woman, this bride. Because look at this, verse 1. I want you to see this. By night on, on my, my bed, I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. So where is she? She's at home. If you don't know, just read it again. It's pretty simple. On my bed. And she's thinking and she's searching for the person who she loves. Now, he's not in the room, right? Or in the house. So how is she searching for him? Think about it. Come on, come on. This isn't hard. It's really easy. Yeah. Okay. But she's thinking about where is he, right? She's trying to consider well, where is he at? What is he doing right now? Because she wants to be with him, but she can't find him. She has no idea where, where, she, where, she is, where he is. So with that in mind, here's, here's what I was thinking about in this one is that when I'm a person where I'm a deep thinker, it's just it's part of who I am. I think about things a lot. Um, and, and as I think about things and I think deeply about things, those are things that you could call imaginations because it's not necessarily real. I'm just thinking through things and it might be true. It might, might not be true, but they're the imaginations of my heart. Now, are those things true all the time? No, they're not. And this is her. She's on her bed and she's thinking and she's considering in her heart and, and in her mind about where her lover is and she cannot find him. And so what I love about this is this teaches us something very, very important, very important. And it's this. You can't find Jesus Christ in your own self. And that's our first point here with verse number one. When we are alone and seeking the Lord, it can cause our hearts to be stirred within us. But he will not, he will not be found in our hearts or our imaginations. 
I mean, how many times have you heard people say, oh, just follow your heart. Do whatever makes you feel happy. Well, what makes the most sense? Or they say things like that to you. By your own reasoning, what should you do? That's not always the right answer. That's not always the right answer. Because I've done that to myself, and that has got me in trouble. It's not been the right answer. And so when she's spending alone time, which is good, she's spending alone time, and she's trying to find the person that she loves, she doesn't find him. She cannot find him in her own heart. Let's look up a couple of verses to kind of illustrate this point for us, all right? Go to... Um, Let's go to Psalm. Uh, somebody take Jeremiah seventeen nine. Kent, you got that one. Uh, Proverbs twenty five. You got that one. Go ahead and take First um, Corinthians two eleven. All right, and then we'll, everyone else just go to Psalms. Go to Psalm uh, seventy seven, and we're going to take a look at a few of these Psalms here. All right, so Psalm 77, look at verse 2, we'll hit verse 1. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord, my sore ran in the night and ceased not, my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed, Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes, waking, so I am... I am so troubled that I cannot speak. All right, so when I read a verse like this, and I, and I see uh, how when we're troubled and we're seeking God, here's the result. Like when you're troubled and things are, are not right, like she's distressed, okay? She's trying to find the person that she loves. She's distressed, and she's calling out to God, and she's trying to figure out what's going on, but it's within her own heart and her own mind. In the same way, you have this, this Psalm of Asaph here, where he cries and he's troubled to the point where he can't even speak and he's calling unto God and he's remembering God, but he's still frustrated and he's still overwhelmed. How many of you have been in that circumstance before? Okay, I have. Where it's almost like God isn't answering you. He's not talking to you because you're so frustrated about what's going on, but you're, you're inside yourself. That's, that's the part. When we do that, we're, we're inside of us. And so we end up troubling ourselves. And so here, that's exactly what happens up to verse 4. And then look at verse 5. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. And then continues from there. So once you get outside of you, and outside of, of your own heart and your own emotions, and you remember the truth, because what did it say? Consider the days of old. So what God has done in your past and what he saved you from and what he's rescued you from in the past. And then it says, called remembrance my song in the night, those days when God delivered you and you were joyous because he, he rescued your soul. You remember what God has done. Then you're able to make sense of what's going on now. Now, it won't make complete sense, but will help get you to that point. See, she's in this position where she's searching and she's searching and she's searching and she can't get her answer. I'm looking for the person that my soul loveth, but I cannot find him. And that's what we do. We just get so emotionally distraught inside of our own heart and our, with our own frustrations, our stresses, the things that we're worried about, things we need to take care of. And we're like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And we're focused on here and now, and we forget who God is, who he was, who, who he is at that point still because of the things that he's done in our life. You know, Megan and I were just talking about this yesterday. 
And, and I think about this all the time because God, if you can trust God with your eternity, which is a pretty big deal, by the way, if you're trusting him that the day you die, that he will usher you into the presence of God, if you're trusting him with your eternity, why in the world can you not trust him right now with the little circumstance that's going on in your life? Because that's what it is. It's little. When you take whatever you're going through right now and you compare it to eternity, like eternity, like people going to hell or heaven type stuff, it's a pretty big deal. The stuff we're going through is little, but it doesn't feel little to us in the moment. It doesn't feel like it's a small thing. And God knows that. And you can't just disregard God and just tell him that you have no idea what's going on, God. And why aren't you? He knows what he's doing. It may not seem like it in the moment, but he knows what he's doing. He does. I tell you he does. Because I know what he's done. I've seen what he's done. I need to remember what he's done. This is why it's so important for you guys to remember your past. Too many people make decisions in the here and now that affect them for the rest of their life. And they forget who God is. They forget what he's done in their life. And if you do that, your life is going to turn out to be a disaster. It will. It totally will. Go over to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. And this is why I love verses like this. Because in times of difficulty, you should be able to say verses like this. Verse 7. Psalm 16, verse 7. I will bless the Lord who hath, past tense, given me counsel. Because you've walked with God in the past and you've heard what he's had to say and you've applied it to your life, you now have counsel you can use in the moment. There are lessons that God has taught you from your past. Things that he's wanted you to learn from your past that when it comes to current events, you're not applying what he's taught you already. You're just, we don't. We, we tend to do this. God has taught us that he can be faithful, but in the moment we're like, what is God doing? I can't trust him. No, he's proven it. He's proven that he can see that he's trustworthy, that he is faithful. So what has made the change at this moment? Because last time I checked, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's faithful then, he's faithful now. And if he's faithful then and now, he's faithful over there in the future. It's us. We are the unstable ones. And this is why we need to cling to our rock and cling to our God. We have to. We have to. And then the rest of verse 7. My rains also instruct me in the night seasons. Because believe me, the night seasons are going to be coming. And you better learn things in the day before it hits night. So that way you can remember what God has taught you so you can hang on to those truths so you don't be drowned in the midst of our issues. Go over to chapter 4, Psalm chapter 4. Verse 4 is our focus, but back it up to 3. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. That is a promise. Verse 4, Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. That's what we got to do. We got to consider ourselves. When we're alone with God, we need to remember who he is. We need to remember the truth that he has taught us. Because if not, then here's our problem. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You can know it. 
our heart is deceitful. It is deceitful. The sooner that you believe that truth, the better off that you're going to be. I mean, honestly, I'm telling you, it will save you from a lot of headache in your life. Your heart is deceitful above all things. We cannot know our own heart. We try to find it. We try to figure it out, but it's not possible. It's not possible. And that's why verse 10 is so important. Read verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So God knows our heart. And that's why we need to go to him. This is so critical. This is so basic. This is so fundamental. You guys got to cling to this. You cannot figure out yourself. You can't figure out your own heart. You can't figure out your own emotions. You can't figure out your your own direction. I mean, that has set me free in my life. Because seriously, how stressful is it to try to figure out what to do for the rest of your life? And Andy's still trying to figure it out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's almost impossible. Because, well, I could see myself doing this. But what if that's, like, completely wrong and then I waste a whole buttload of money going to school for something that I'm never going to do. So here's what you need to do. Sit down and you need to figure out like, okay, who am I and what kind of person do I want to be? I think that's a really good question that we need to ask ourselves. What kind of person do you really want to be? Because that's really, really important. And so what kind of person you're going to be and what are you going to do? And then lay all that stuff out, even write it out if you have to try to figure all this and just, just write, just put it all down. And then once you have that mess laid out, present that to the Lord and say, God, this is the best that I can do and I have no direction. What in the world do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be? What do you want me to accomplish? And just keep praying about it and keep seeking him about it and just keep following his lead. Because you are unique. You are not like anybody else. And so you can look to somebody else and say, well, I can see myself doing that. Or I could see myself going that direction like that person did. But you're not that person. You're not that person. Like there are some people that feel like if they don't go to college, they're somehow they've like, they're going to fail, you know, in life. That's not true. That's not true. There's, God doesn't want everyone to go to college. Do you know that? Because if he, if he actually wanted that, he would have put it in his Bible, by the way. But he didn't. You know what I mean? There are some people that they need to do a trade. There's some people that they never need to go to school and they're just going to be a homemaker for the rest of their life. That's okay. Because whatever God wants you to do, just do it with all your heart and you're in the center of God's will and everything's going to turn out just fine. You have to figure out who you are. Who are you? And the only person that knows you is the Lord. You've got to seek him first. So that's what she's trying to do, but she can't find him in herself. And that's the point. Proverbs 25. Counsel in the heart of man. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. How many of you guys have ever jumped into some deep water before? All right. Now, when you jump into some deep water and you go down deep, what's freaky about it? The darkness. The darkness of it. And there have been times where I lose all sense of direction. And then I have to figure out, okay, where's the light? Okay, there it is. And then I'll go up. I mean, it's kind of how it is. It can be very, very freaky, very freaky. And that's why it's so important for us. I mean, even you have deep divers that go down and they've got, you know, the, uh, the special equipment to let them know how deep they're going so that way they know if they're going up or down because they don't know. That's kind of weird. That would freak me out. Okay. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. All right. Go to try to figure yourself out. Figure out your own heart. You're going to drown. You're going to drown. 
but a man of understanding will draw it out. Where do we get understanding? Go to Proverbs 2. I want you to see this. Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2, verse 6. Andy, read that one. Proverbs 2, 6. Heck yeah, there it is. You see? When you compare Scripture to Scripture, you figure out what's going on here. A man of understanding is a man of God's words. That's what it says. So the only way that you can navigate through the deep counsel of your own heart in this life is if you have God's words. Because God is the one that gives knowledge and understanding. So he's the only one that can give it. That's the only way we can make sense of this stuff. It's the only way. Only way. All right, and then 1 Corinthians 2.11. Go and read that one. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit, which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Okay. So we can't know the things in our own heart. Uh, God knows everything, and so we need to go to him, and that's the whole point of that one. All right. So go back to Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, chapter 3. So you cannot find God or direction or answers in your own self. That's what she did. And she sought him, but I found him not, she says in verse 1. Verse 2, I will rise now and go about the city in the streets, and in the broadways will I seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. So, so she tries to go out and find him in the city, in the streets, and specifically what ways? Look at it. Broadway. The broadways. Broadways. What does that make you think of? Anybody? The broad and narrow path. Matthew, what is it? Anyone know? I think I, I think I got it down. 713 is what I got down. Matthew 713. The broad ways represents the ways of this world. It's the wisdom of this world. So she goes out into the streets and into the cities trying to find him. First of all, I love her persistence, by the way. See, she doesn't just rest at her, on her own bed and say, well, it's hopeless. I give up. No, she goes out. She's a woman of action. She goes out and tries to find him. But she tries to find him in the world. And does she find him? No, she does not. First John two fifteen through seventeen talks about how, in in as far as the world is concerned, you've got um, the lust and all that, and it says the world's going to be passing away, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. There's nothing to be found there. In James four four, it says if you're going to be a friend with the world, you're going to be the enemy of God. God is not found in this world. It's not. He's not. He's not found in the ways of this world. He can't be. Now you can get some good direction out there. And you can get some ideas, but you're never going to find the answers. You're never going to find the answers. can't find the answers in yourself. You can't find the answers in the world. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And that's why we need to follow Romans 13. Hold your spot in Song of Solomon 3 and go to Romans 13. Romans 13. Romans 13. Verse 11 says, And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, 
not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, because we're going to get wisdom, understanding, and make not provision for the flesh to fill the lust thereof. Notice here, look at this for a second. Look at verse 12. The night is far spent. So he's talking about the context about how we live in the night. And that's spiritually, we do. We live in the night of things. But look at what it says in verse 13. But let us walk honestly as in the day. See, as Christians, born-again believers, it's nighttime outside, but to us it's daytime. And I automatically think of that stupid Facebook. Nighttime, daytime. Nighttime, daytime. All right, sorry. It just popped into my head, and it was hilarious, and I wanted to chuckle, but I can't laugh without expressing to you what's going on in my head. So there you go. All right. So, but it's dark out. It's nighttime. And as Christians, we walk as if it's day. We do. That's what we do. And the problem is, is that we're in an environment of night. And when you're in in an environment of night, you want to walk like everybody else. That's the problem. Because after a long period of time, when you're in the night, you begin to see. It's not really clear as it it is in the day, but you begin to see a little bit here and there. And you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. Oh, this isn't so bad. And then we just turn off our flashlights. Turn it off. Oh, I can see. I can see just fine. Okay. All right. Just wait till the clouds roll in and then covers the light of the moon and then you give it a shot. It's, it's freaky when it gets that dark outside. And then you're like, oh, I wish I had my other flashlight. That's the point. Always keep it on. Keep your light on. Always. You, you walk as if it's daytime. That's you. That's who you are in Christ. We need to not be the opposite. We need to make sure that we never abandon our light. Ever. All right. So you can't find the answers in this world and then write down proverbs 9 and read this one later but just write down proverbs 9 next to this uh these verses here um because even though even though god and the answers that god provides cannot be found in this world what i love about it is that god is still found and he calls in the streets because proverbs 9 talks about how wisdom cries in the streets that she cries but she cries and says come to me that's what she does she says come to me but then the flip side, when you look at the last part of chapter 9, it says that the foolish also cries in the streets and says the exact same thing, come to me. And so it's just a matter of who you're going to go to. Who are you going to go to to try to get your answers? But the bride here, it tells us that she cannot find her lover in the streets, in the broadways. Okay, that's verse 2. Look at verse 3 of Song of Solomon, chapter 3. 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, we're totally not going to get done with chapter 3, by the way. All right, verse 3. The watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom said, whom I said, saw ye whom my soul loveth. So now you've got the watchman here. Now, what is the watchman in the Bible? Or what is a watchman? We should know what he's talking about. Yep, we should have. A couple weeks ago, right? What is a watchman? Yes, a man that watches. Okay. No, but I just kind of said it. All right, go ahead. Luke. Oh, sorry. Luke had his hand up. <laughs> you want to steal it from Luke? No, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> we'll compare answers. Go ahead. People are like compared to someone who is supposed to watch over the city from like the walls and see if trouble or intruders are coming to attack and warn people. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So it's a person that watches on the walls of the city. They look out to see if any danger is coming, and they report back, especially if there's danger. Okay? You got anything to add to that? Okay. All right. All right. All right. So 
How many? Uh, so when it comes to like the the hours of the day, when what time is there when there's a watchman that's not on the wall? Never, right? There's always a watchman on the wall. Doesn't matter if it's one o'clock in the afternoon, one o'clock at night. Doesn't matter. There's always a watchman. And what happens when you're taking shifts? What would happen? You switch. You switch. But do you switch? And where the guy's like, "All right, Kent should be here." So I'm just going to jet out. No, he waits until Kent shows up, and then it's his shift. Now it's on his shoulders. That's the point of a watchman. So in the Bible, spiritually, the watchman is uh, considered, one of the applications of it is a pastor. But it's also a discipler. Anyone that is discipling or has finished discipleship, you are considered a watchman. You are. It's part of your responsibility within the body of Christ. But a pastor is a watchman. That's, that's the whole point. Go over to Hebrews. Go to Hebrews 13. Take a look at this. Within the context of the watchman. Hebrews. Hebrews 13. Verse 17. Hebrews 13, 17. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. And then here it is. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. So part of the role of the pastor is to watch for your soul. But it says, I mean, this is broader than just that because it says them that have the rule over you. So parents towards their children, parents are watchmen. They are. Ministry leaders over their ministries, they are watchmen. Pastors over churches, they're watchmen. Disciplers over their disciple, they're watchmen. They are to be on the lookout. Now, if the watchman's going, what's going to happen? Vulnerable. Something's going to get in. There's the risk of something getting in. So it's important that the watchman does their job. Okay? So she ends up running into, or rather, the watchman finds her. So this is a great spiritual application of someone who is an authority who's watching over her. Because it's in the middle of the night. You have this young woman who's out in the streets in the middle of the night. I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, that, could, that may not go very well. So the watchman sees it and goes to her and finds out what's going on. And then she asks this question, Saw ye him whom my soul loveth? And obviously there's no answer there, but it can be assumed that he probably gave an answer. Maybe he pointed the direction, and she didn't say she didn't find him, but we don't know what was said. We know something was said because the watchman's going to give a response. But then after that, you got verse 4. It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. Now, this is interesting. So you can't find God or answers from other people. That may sound weird for me to say that. People can give you good advice. People can give you good counsel. But that does not mean that you do what they say. Because who do you follow? Do you follow people? You follow the Lord. So you need to take God's wisdom, God's counsel, God's direction. Now, God will use people in your life to consider, but you need to do whatever God tells you to do, period. And this is what I've appreciated, you know, even with Pastor Tom. Like, he'll talk to me about something, and he'll be like, well, here's how I would handle it. And then he'd explain it in great detail. And then he says, but you do whatever you want. 
Now, that could be taken one of two ways. <laughs> Where it's like, do what I tell you. Or what he's really saying, and this is what I've learned over the years, what he's really saying is, here's how I would handle it, but you're not me, you're you, and you need to handle it what's right in the eyes of the Lord. But here's what I would do, so think about it. And that's what he means. And I appreciate that. Now, there are other times where he's like, do this. Then I know he's speaking very clearly. He wants me to do that. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. All right? So that's how it's supposed to work. So you cannot find God from other people. They can point the direction. They can try to get you to where you're supposed to go. But here's the point. You have to go. You have to go. You are the one that has to go. You cannot, you cannot depend on someone else's faithfulness to build your spiritual walk. Do you get that one? You cannot build your Christian walk on someone else's faithfulness. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You might see temporary results. You might see yourself walking much closer to God. But until you are faithful yourself, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's got to be something that you want and that you desire. And that's her. She doesn't find him in the imagination of her heart. She doesn't find him out in the broad ways in the streets in the middle of the night. She doesn't find him from the watchman. It says, it was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. I found him. And then look what she says. Look what she says here. I love this. I held him and would not let him go. Oh, man, if we would just do this devotionally in our life. Once you find him, it's what you've been looking for, and then you cling to him, and then you don't let him go. This is our problem. This is why we get into trouble a lot, is because we were close with God. We're like, God, I'm never going to leave you, never going to leave you, never going to leave you. It's like the Peter syndrome. God, I'll never, never, nope, nope, nope. I'm not, I will die with you. I will die with you. Peter, you're going to rebuke me three times before the night's out. No, you're a liar, Jesus. I will never. That's, that's what he, this is what we do a lot of times. We, we cling to him for the moment, but then all of a sudden things get tough. And we're like, no! And we let go. We let go. Why? Why? I, I, I go back and I think about the message that I preached a few Sundays ago. Why do we run from the one person, the only person, that will give you stability in your times of trouble? Why do we just walk away, run away, push away the one person that can give us all the answers if we would just wait and depend upon him? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? You know why I think we do it? Because God doesn't think the way that we think. And so we feel like, well, since we're not getting what we want, then God is the cause of all this. And so we're like, forget it. You're not working. It's not benefiting my life. I'm done. I'm done with you. You can't do that with God. That does not work with God. We cannot do that with our Lord. He's our Lord. Remember what the Bible says. Does he love you? Yes. <laughs> does he care about you? Mm-hmm. Does he know the end from the beginning and everything in between? Mm-hmm. Does the Bible not say that everything is for your benefit, no matter what it is, good or bad? Mm-hmm. So the issue is we don't believe him. We don't believe him because in the moment he's not personally benefiting us at all. And so then we just push him away. And how do you think God feels when he was the one that shed his blood for you and he died for you? I mean, what else does God have to do to prove his love to you? What more does he have to do? He's done a ton. 
We forget. We forget. We forget. And so the next point here, be persistent. Be persistent. Do not rest until you find him. Be persistent. Don't rest until you find him. And if you just quit, then you're not persistent and you really didn't want to find him. That's really what it comes down to. And then once you find him, do not let him go. Do not let him go. And let's end on um, Colossians. Go to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Once you find him, do not let him go. God never lets go of you. And I'm so thankful for that because I deserve to be let go of. But he never lets go of me. I should never let go of him. Colossians 3, verse 1. Colossians 3, 1. If ye then be risen with Christ. So if you are born again, you are risen with Christ. That's the point. If ye then be risen with Christ then this is what you need to do. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, here it is, who is our life. Man, if you just chew on that for a bit and you understand it, Jesus Christ is your life. He's not just your eternal life. He is your life. He is everything. He is everything. If Christ is not everything to you, and there's something else that takes just the place of him or that goes ahead of him, then Christ is not your life. If you are born again, Christ is your life. He's the only reason you have the ability to have hope. He's the only reason that you have the ability to gain wisdom. He's the only reason that you have to live. He is your life. And so if you are not wrapped up in him, when he is so wrapped up in you, it's not going to work. And that's why this woman in Song of Solomon, she made diligent search. She would not stop. She was in her own heart, can't find him. I'm going to go out into the streets. Find him, asking people, can't find him. Watchman, have you seen him? And then she goes, I found him. And I clung to him, and I will not let him go. I won't let him go. He's everything to me. Until you come to that place in your Christian life, your Christian life is going to be very sorry. It's going to be very weak. It's going to be very frail. It's going to be a walk that when a gentle breeze of false doctrine comes your way, it's going to bust you into pieces. That when the first trial hits, that may be like the, the, one of the most difficult things you've ever gone through. You're just going to fall to pieces because you've let go of the rock that can actually keep you stable. And some of us need to learn the hard way. I knew I, I needed to learn. I, I had to fall. I had to fall hard before I realized this lesson. And there are days that I'm still tempted to let go. But I dare not. I dare not. Because if I do, then it's going to be a wreck. It's going to be a wreck. All right, let's go ahead and pray. And then we'll finish this next week. Lord God, I pray that we'd have the heart attitude of the bride in Song of Solomon 3. God, I pray that we would seek you first and seek you foremost above any person, anything, any amount of wisdom. God, I pray that you would hold us in the palm of your hand and remind us of these truths and and God, that we would do our part. You've already reminded us of these things in your word, but we just neglect your word. We neglect reading it, taking time to remember it. And that's why I need to be in the Bible daily. Because if I am not in the Bible daily, God, I forget. I forget what you've done in my life. I forget the things that you saved me from. I forget the person that I'm supposed to be. I just forget. When I'm on my own, I forget. 
And so, God, I need to hear your words daily. I need to be in your words daily so that way I don't forget. So, God, please help us with our circumstances, uh, with the people that we're around, with our families, with the choices that we're going to make, with the choices that we have made. Uh, All those things, God, they're in the palm of your hand. And thank you for caring so deeply for us. I pray that we would be more and more and more faithful unto you and that we would follow the example of this bride in Song of Solomon 3. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.